1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to The Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. I hope one of those decisions is to subscribe to this podcast, wherever you're listening. Share it with your friends, okay? Someone in your life you think could benefit or would enjoy it. Something I enjoy, I'm really into the Japanese concept of san, Continuous Improvement. So it's really important to remember we have two ears, one mouth. We learn from others the more we listen. And today I get to listen to you in today's Clark Stinks segment that I'm so glad that so many of you have been kind enough to take the time to go to clark.com slash Stinks to post. Also in this episode, I'm going to talk about where we are right now with electric vehicles and there's a new electric vehicle credit. Does that mean green light? For you to buy a new electric vehicle, you may be surprised by my answer to that question. But without further ado, yes.
0: Well, before we get to Clark Stinks. Oh, you
1: have a Clark Stinks.
0: I do. I'm back. I'm back after being out just for a couple of days. And I want to thank you so much for saying this a week ago.
1: Krista is under the weather and she wanted to come in, Grace, but I wouldn't let her because... I didn't want to get no. infected whatever crud she I has. I
0: don't want her here either.
1: And she wouldn't take a COVID test. Wow. You did take a COVID test. I did and, and I
0: that was a you meant that as a joke, right? Yeah, yeah. But funnily enough, yes. some people didn't take it as a joke. Yeah, and it was so it was a
1: joke. Krista did take the, I did. the home COVID and test. And it was
0: negative and I just wanted to Set that record straight. And you
1: can see Krista looks completely healthy and everything's good. Didn't mean to hurt your feelings. No, it didn't that. hurt my
0: feelings, but other people okay. think I'm a horrible person. So it's all good. And I want to thank Grace so much for filling in for me. She did an amazing job. So without further ado now, let's go to Clark
1: Stinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be
0: ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: Maybe you're right, pal.
0: All right. I'm going to start out with this one. Only a financial moron buys bonds with fixed interest rates and repayment amounts during high inflation periods. Inflation is at least 20%. Bonds pay about 7%. I'll let you do the math, Peter.
1: Uh, Peter, so inflation is not 20%. In fact, inflation, after getting so ugly last year, is coming down and down in a lot of categories. Prices are in deflation now. Prices are declining on so many things. So the representation of inflation that the I-bonds are right now, just under 7%, that is a realistic expectation of inflation. Are we going to be back at 2% inflation by the end of 23? No. It's going to be a good while before inflation gets fully removed from the economy back to the target of 2%. What we have right now is goods inflation is turning into deflation. Services inflation is still there. You talk to people who own service businesses, they're still facing meaningful, significant cost pressures. And maybe, Peter, you work or own a service business or in a service industry, and you're still feeling this significant wave of services inflation, what labor's costing and the rest, but inflation in the economy is not close anywhere to 20%.
0: I agree with the article about seven things not to carry in your wallet except for one. You should always carry your insurance card with you. What if you're in an accident, suffer a heart attack, or suffer some other health crisis? You need that health insurance card, and that's from Mona.
1: Mona, thank you. So the issues with... Health insurance cards being carried is about theft of that card and people seeking medical services as if they're you, is the big issue with it. An alternative is to have a uh, picture in your Apple Photos or Google Photos or whatever of your medical card. And my insurer no longer provides medical cards. I mean, there is no physical card anymore. You sign into your account with them or you have their app. And you show your card when you get to a medical office instead of having a physical card to give them.
0: You stink and I stink and I want to thank you. I've always used cold water for my laundry and being an introvert, what I most appreciate is that it keeps (laughs) unwelcome company away. Best regards, musty Merv. Okay. We'll let that sit, So do my clothes stink? No. Okay. On a recent podcast, Clark stated that he couldn't afford to buy a Tide laundry detergent. Speaking of that, yes. I really took exception to this because it's not that Clark can't afford Tide. He just doesn't want to pay their True. prices. Clark, you aren't going to miss any meals, have your utilities disconnected, nor will the repo man come and take your prized Tesla if you buy Tide detergent. Clark, you have the right to buy whatever you want with your money, but please be sensitive and use your words more carefully. There are some people out here who really cannot afford to buy certain things. Mary.
1: Mary, it is a poor choice of words when I say I can't afford something. What when, when I'm really saying is I don't want to spend the money on it. You are Correct.
0: Clark occasionally refers to in your purse if you're a lady, and it would be more appropriate to just say something like in your purse or bag if you carry one. This is just a little thing, but Clark always says he wants to improve. So here's a little thing that he could be more sensitive about. Thanks for all you do, Clark and team Harmony.
1: Harmony, thank you. And I do, you know, old dog learning new tricks. The language of gender has been something that's been hard for me. To adopt to, and I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better at it.
0: I have to say I'm terribly disappointed when I hear you rave about a product or service that is horribly wasteful of our rapidly dwindling resources or highly polluting to the planet or bad for our health simply because it's cheap. That's too short-sighted, especially with our rapidly deteriorating climate and an ever-increasing population. There's more to making any purchase than the price you pay at the register. And that's also from Mary.
1: So... What kind of things... She's
0: talking about when you say you buy grapes, she gave an example, it's coming from a foreign country, that's being, you know, that's polluting, getting it to our country and then getting it to the grocery store just because it's cheaper instead of buying a local product from a farmer.
1: So transportation pollution is obviously a problem for the world. The good news is that every phase of transportation is steadily getting cleaner, as for moving goods over long distances, that only works if the overall economics of that do work. And there are significant societal benefits when we allow goods to flow freely around the globe. The transportation issue and the pollution issue, that's obviously one that has been a problem. I promise you, we're getting better at that.
0: Love you, brother, but you recently discussed the longest-lasting cars on your website. Very few of those cars really match a Clark Howard lifestyle. A Land Cruiser? Really? How many of your peeps can swing one of those? The article has a bias toward high-end models that attract high-end owners who can afford every type of silver spoon maintenance on them, plus hand washes, heated garages, etc. So no wonder they last. How about a list of the longest-lasting practical cars most people can afford? And that's from Paul in Wisconsin. Oh, and in the end, he said, here is your punishment. Thank you for your show and website, Mr. Howard, in all
1: caps. Paul in Wisconsin. So, Paul, your point is extremely valid. And I think that is a good idea to talk about mainstream models that have really long life cycles.
0: Clark, you talked about getting a toll pass device to use in rental cars, so you're paying a reasonable toll and not marked up tolls and charges from the rental car company. You mentioned how you must register the vehicle with your transponder account. I rented a car and took my transponder on the trip and was unable to register the car because the rental vehicle was already registered to someone else's transponder. I had to avoid tolls from this point on my trip. Your advice is not foolproof option. For those of you who do register the rental car, you need to remove it from your transponder account in a timely manner so the rest of us can register the car. Brenda.
1: Brenda, thank you. That is a problem that had not occurred to me. As another poster said, who had bought one of the portable transponders, they had forgotten to remove a vehicle from it and they were getting charged tolls for other people because they were still registered even though the transponder was not in that rental vehicle anymore.
0: Because it goes by license plate
1: off. Yeah, because you register to the plate or tag of that rental vehicle. So I guess the ultimate thing with this is if you do follow my strategy of having the portable transponder, you have to remember to enter the vehicle you're renting and then remember to remove it at the end of the rental or you could get hit with bill shock. And the toll thing is so simple to fix. I mean, this is one that is not hard to fix. And it's a problem with the state toll authorities around the country Not being willing to do what's in the best interest of the public, which is to have a national transponder that each of us can have. I mean, because think about when I talked about buying that device, it only works in 18 states. So if you're in one of the other states that has tolls, you're still out of luck on tolls.
0: That person that had the car before Brenda is lucky that she was honest and didn't go through the tolls. Um, PayPal should not be in the same boat totally as Zelle and other cash pay apps. PayPal gives you the option to attach your credit card or your bank account. I attach it to my credit card, and for the few times I made payments to others, it charges me a fee, which I more than make up for with rewards I get back. Thanks, and keep up the good, stinky work. LOL,
1: Lenny. Lenny, thank you. That is a very interesting and good suggestion is that with PayPal – uh, and I guess with Venmo, you can also yeah. attach a credit card that then in certain situations you would have the protections afforded to credit cards that don't exist for debit cards or for payment apps generally. This brings up a point. Federal law has not been updated because these various forms of payment, debit cards and, and payment apps and the big bad Zell. These things did not exist, and so the laws did not anticipate them. And there's a big gaping hole in consumer protection that if our Congress actually uh, cared about what happened to everyday people, they would do something to provide consumer protections to consumers instead of leaving people in this wilderness of wallet destruction that exists right now. I'm still waiting day by day for the new Zell protections to be announced and go into place. What's going on at the big bad banks that there are no Zell protections yet that you promised last month?
0: After listening to the latest podcast regarding 529 plans, please, 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 every time you mention this in upcoming shows, also mention that the plans can be utilized in several technical and trade schools, as well as your aforementioned legacy colleges. Understanding you're a supporter for colleges and there may be no other options for some families, it would be great for your listeners to understand the 529 isn't just for them.
1: Gary. Gary, thank you. Uh, You know, I usually throw in a sentence or other eligible educational expenses. And I should say that technical and trade schools may in fact be an eligible expense. And thank you for pointing out the fact that I have neglected that. You recently repeated
0: advice not to share your social security number on medical forms to prevent identity fraud. During a recent visit, I was told that I was required to share my actual social security number because my state, Kentucky, has a registry where they track controlled substances that uses your social security number. The program is called CASPER, and I would like to imagine other states may have something similar, Brandon. And I did look at this, and it's correct. If you're prescribing a controlled substance, the state of Kentucky, and I linked to the briefing there for you, does say that you have to get someone's social security number.
1: So not for a routine medical visit, but if you're getting a, what's it called, a Cat 1 drug? I don't know
0: what that, but I just know they there's certain that. drugs where you have to show ID to get them. They could be, I think it's drugs that could be abused, probably.
1: So I've never heard of that. I appreciate so much the alert. And yeah, he may be right that when you're getting a controlled substance... There may be a requirement in other states, again, using a social security number as a national identifier number, which was never intended to be. Thank you for that heads up, because no one has ever mentioned that. And I want to tell you, coming up, there's a lot of buzz right now. Every general news publication I pick up, there are front section stories about the new tax credits on electric vehicles. And I want to talk to you about the strategy of whether the new credits make it a good time to buy electric vehicles or not for your wallet. So, there's so much buzz about people being able to buy electric vehicles right now with a tax credit, typically 7500 There's a tax credit for buying used vehicles. There are income phase-outs and all this stuff. And there's all kinds of confusion about which models are eligible today, which models are going to be eligible later this year, blah, 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 blah. So, We've been asked, I don't know how many hundreds of times, we certainly don't then bring the questions hundreds of times to the podcast because otherwise it would be the electric vehicle podcast. Is now the time to buy an electric vehicle? And the answer is that if it's about your wallet, not yet. Not yet. The price points of electric vehicles actually have gone way up over the last 18 months. As an example, if you go back just that not long ago, Tesla was selling the lowest price Tesla they were selling, $35,000. Today, it's hard to buy a Tesla for less than $60,000. And it's not that the car became that much better. It's just that the price points moved up. The demand for electric vehicles, has far outstripped the current supply. But as I said last year, and I'm going to emphasize even more now, even with the tax credits, if you buy an electric vehicle today, it is a lifestyle choice, not a dollars and cents choice. That is going to change in, I would say, months now, not many years. You're going to see later in 23, that electric vehicles are going to become more affordable, tax credit or not. And the number of new models being introduced and the ramp up of production of units is going to go nothing but higher year after year from here. The cost of the batteries, as I shared recently, has come down so much that we are going to be at a point soon where buying an electric vehicle will be cost equivalent to a gas engine vehicle. And then it's a slam dunk. Because once you own one, it's so much cheaper to own one and operate it than it is to own and operate a gas engine vehicle. But as for now, I don't care about all these ads that are running about the $7,500 tax credit. It is not a deal for your wallet to buy one. As for Tesla, Tesla's having customer service issues, and service after the sale issues, and Tesla's got to address those. And so Tesla, that pretty much was synonymous with electric vehicles, is now facing steadily more competition from traditional automakers and then non-traditional ones as well. And so Tesla is going to have to fix its corporate culture and its service and its after-purchase experience that is not together right now. So, electric vehicles are ready for prime time to own and have fun with, but if it's all about the dollars, they're not there today. They were more there 18 months ago than they are right now, but that will change quickly, even potentially when you look much later this year. And that said, by one electric vehicle owner and standing next to me, <laughs> another electric vehicle owner. And they are past fun, aren't
0: they? Oh, they're, it's so great. Once you drive one, you never
1: want to drive a regular a gas vehicle again. So it's not a, it's you know, you've got the money thing, then you have the enjoyment thing. And gas engine vehicles cannot compete from the overall ownership experience. To an electric vehicle and it will be what people buy in the future it's just going to be what's going to be but the funny thing is it's not like going to a doctor's appointment to find out something's wrong with you and you're dreading it it's going to be a really great experience when you own and operate an electric vehicle
0: Well, Lynn in California wanted to do a follow-up with you about her Germany Christmas market trip to Munich, Rottenburg, and Nuremberg. The trip was so amazing, and my amazing wife enjoyed it. My favorite part of the trip... Was seeing the smile on her face. We have put a premium on vacations after she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And yes, Krista, we found her Starbucks in Germany too. If you remember, I was able to book the rooms for free using our rewards miles from our venture card and one airplane ticket in premium economy. Saved over $4,000. New question for you, Clark. Can you save too much for your retirement? In 22, we were able to max out two 401k plans for a combined total of 54000 <laughs> At the same time, my wife was able to contribute an additional 10000 in after-tax contributions to her 401k. We were also able to max out two Roth IRAs for a combined total of 14000 The best thing is the $4,000 saved from our trip using miles I sent to Fidelity into our brokerage account. Are we crazy?
1: No, you're not crazy, because you're creating an extremely comfortable retirement glide path for yourselves. It's a weird thing to even think about when when half of people approaching retirement age haven't been able to save a nickel. Is there an amount that's too much? No, because it means you love travel. You're going to be able to do a lot of that potentially in retirement. You may need extra money for medical care because of the multiple sclerosis issue. And so-
0: I was going to mention, if they have a high deductible health plan, hopefully they have an HSA.
1: An HSA would be a potentially great thing to fund every year moving forward for the medical expenses that will show up later in life. So no, you're not crazy. And it doesn't sound like you're depriving yourself of experiences or joy with how much money you're saving right now you know if you were really saying oh well we're not doing this and we're not able to do that and someday we'll want to do this you're not saying that you're still having life experiences and doing things that bring you so much joy like the trip that you took so i say keep saving and you're crazy like a fox
0: Yvonne in Florida says, Clark, we had a boat and then we sold it the December before the pandemic and now regret it. Like cars, it went up in value. My question is, do you have any idea when the used boat prices will come back down? In addition, it's much harder to shop for boats like cars. For example, if I want to look at a used 2020 Honda Accord, I can easily do a nationwide search for that. But on boats, you can't really do that. How would I truly know or tell if used boat prices are down? If I call the dealers, they are going to tell me, yes, they're down because they want to sell me a boat. Any other advice on our used boat search? We are in no rush and can wait it out.
1: So a couple of things, discretionary purchases are declining. And the best example I can use, the RV industry that boomed, boomed like nobody's business during the worst of covid is now sitting there with a hangover that is ugly. The sale of RVs has collapsed in the United States. A totally discretionary purchase. And for people interested in RVs, used RVs are going to be a great price point purchase as we look through this year. And dare I say, we're going, a lot of RVs are financed. We're likely going to see ultimately a wave of repossessions of RVs. So I think that is a leading indicator. Boat market generally is a lower price point commitment. There are no effective price guides, though, to boats. I've looked in the past when I've been asked this. The best suggestion I have is one you reminded me of, Krista, and that is to call boat dealers way out of market and say, hey, I just need some advice. I live across the country. I'm interested in buying this kind of boat. What's going on with the prices right now on those? If you go completely out of market, you're honest up front, you're just trying to get information, you may find from an experienced boat dealer outside of your competitive trading zone, what is really going on with the price points?
0: And Stanley in Georgia says, my wife and I just purchased a home in June. We put down 20% and now we're getting bombarded with companies wanting to sell us mortgage insurance. I know I'm not obligated to purchase it, but will it benefit me to have it?
1: In the industry, it's known as croak and choke insurance or just croak. And mortgage life insurance is one of the worst ripoff products that the banks have dreamt up. So what they do is they try to get you to buy a life insurance policy that names the bank as the beneficiary that has your mortgage, the premiums are roughly 10 times market-priced premiums. So normally with life insurance, and it is like a form of term insurance to hear me talk about, normally with life insurance, you name uh, your survivors that you want to be taken care of as the beneficiary. And At the time of your passing, your survivor may or may not find that it's a good idea to pay off the mortgage. There may be other priorities. With the mortgage life insurance, all it does is it helps the mortgage company directly and your survivors indirectly by paying off the mortgage, but removes the flexibility. And remember, at 10 times the premium, as long as you can medically underwrite for your own term life insurance policy, and I have an explanation of how you shop for and how you buy what's known as level term insurance on Clark.com, you buy your own policy to provide for the needs of your survivors. You don't buy insurance that's just for a narrow individual purpose like a mortgage life insurance policy. What would be the exception to that? If you cannot medically underwrite own your own policy, and you can buy a mortgage life insurance policy without being medically underwritten, that all people who apply are just approved, and the person who will inherit the house will benefit from having no mortgage based on your overall financial situation. That's a lot of ifs, ifs, and ifs, and so essentially mortgage life insurance is not a scam, but it is a ripoff. And I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. And for deals you can trust, I got an address for you, ClarkDeals.com. I am so proud of our deal-digging team that find deals that don't waste your time, that find deals that are there to benefit you. It is a sad fact that a lot of sites that post deals are advertorials. They're posting things just because they were paid by an online seller or a traditional retailer to post the deals. That's not the game we play. We post deals that will not ever waste your time and they will protect your wallet. And we got advice for you around the clock as well. Advice that you can trust at Clark.com.